Welcome to Inspiring Stories from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is about Betsy Ross. Her pioneer grandfather, Andrew Griscom, helped settle New Jersey in the days before William Penn first came to America. A carpenter, Griscom built the first four brick houses in the city of Philadelphia. His son Samuel pursued that trade as well, and, among other projects, helped erect the Belfry Tower of the State House, later renamed Independence Hall, in 1754. Samuel married Rebecca James, daughter of a wealthy importer. They had 17 children, raising the nine who lived to adulthood as devout members of the Society of Friends. Their seventh daughter, Elizabeth, arrived on New Year's Day, 1752. Betsy attended the Rebecca Jones School for Quakers, which had been chartered by William Penn. She showed a considerable talent for needlework, and as a teenager, apprenticed in an upholstery shop owned by William Webster. A small crowd of young men usually waited for a glimpse of the lovely and vivacious girl after church on Sundays. Her parents were not pleased to learn, however, that their daughter's three primary suitors were not Quakers and warned her against involvement with any of them. John Ross had a clear advantage. He too worked for William Webster and saw Betsy at work all the time. At 21, Betsy decided that although she loved her parents and the Society of Friends, she still wanted to marry John Ross. Though not a Quaker, he was a Christian, and his father was an Episcopal priest. In November 1773, the couple secretly rode across the Delaware River in the dark so they could be married in New Jersey. When news of the elopement reached her parents, they disowned Betsy, and the Quakers publicly excommunicated her. She and John were happy in spite of these humiliations, though, finding spiritual comfort at Christ Church, which eventually became known as the Patriot Sanctuary because of the zeal of its members for independence. A year later, they opened their own upholstery business at Arch Street below 3rd. By that time, the rebellion against Great Britain swept up the Rosses. John became a guard of the ammunition stores along the Delaware River near his home. On January 21, 1776, he died when the gunpowder he was protecting exploded, either accidentally or in a plot by British Loyalists. Betsy became a widow at 24. One of her descendants wrote that during this period, Betsy sought comfort in the services at the old church to which she and her husband had been so devoted. Tradition says about five months later in June, Betsy received some distinguished visitors to the shop she had taken over completely after her spouse's death. George Washington, George Ross, her late husband's uncle, and the wealthy Philadelphia merchant Robert Morris asked her to make a flag for the country they were about to form. 
According to Betsy's daughter, Rachel Fletcher, George Washington was a regular customer and friend of her mother, who often had sewed for him. She said, although she had never made a flag, she would be willing to try. General Washington showed her a rough sketch, and she suggested some changes as they conferred in her back parlor. Betsy saw some defects in proportion, as well as in the arrangement and shape of the stars. She felt the flag should be one-third longer than its width, and that the haphazardly scattered stars should be in lines or a circle. In addition, the stars should be of five, not six points. The general made a rough sketch of it, and Betsy spent the next few days sewing the flag in her back parlor. When she showed it to the committee, they ran it up the mast of a vessel at the nearby wharf. A few bystanders applauded. The men next took it to the State House, where Congress approved the design. The committee had gone to other seamstresses, but the Betsy Ross flag is the one they decided upon, and they gave her an order for as many as she could make. She continued making flags for the United States government for the next 50 years. This is the essence of the story told to Ross's grandson, William Canby, who in 1870 set out to prove his grandmother's account. Doubts had arisen as to whether she really had made the country's first flag, as well as the circumstances surrounding it. Critics of the Betsy Ross story argued there were no official records of the transaction, and Canby had to concede that point. All he could find in the official record was from the June 14, 1777 Congressional Record. Resolved that the flag of the United States be 13 stripes, alternate red and white, that the Union be 13 stars white, in a blue field representing a new constellation. There simply was no known contemporary written record of Betsy Ross's visit by the committee or her creation of the first flag. Can be suspected that the lack of official evidence for Betsy's story was because the committee was acting in a certain amount of secrecy. Besides, at the time of the transaction, no one, including Betsy herself, may have realized its historical importance. Betsy Ross was 25 when she sewed the country's first flag, and most of her life remained ahead of her. An ardent patriot for the American cause, she was outspoken with British soldiers who took over her house during their occupation of Philadelphia in 1777. They dubbed the fair-skinned, blue-eyed woman the Little Rebel. She also had a practical knowledge of science and medicine and frequently dispensed her homemade eyewash and other remedies to her friends. She ardently opposed the popular practice of bleeding sick people to rid them of bad humors. In 1777, Betsy remarried. Her new husband, Joseph Ashburn, had been one of her most ardent suitors during her youth. Sadly, as with her marriage to John Ross, 
Betsy only had a few years with Ashburn. A soldier with the American forces, he was taken prisoner by the British and died in an English prison in early March 1782. For several long months, Betsy went without news of him, fearing the worst but keeping busy with her business, her family, two daughters born to the Ashburns in 1779 and 1781, and her service to the army, making quilts and blankets. She also left Christ Church and joined a new group, the Free Quakers. These were friends who, unlike the original Quakers, supported the Revolution. They lent valuable support to Betsy during this personally trying time. One of her husband's fellow prisoners, John Claypool, was released in 1782, and upon landing in Philadelphia, told Betsy that Ashburn had died. Ironically, Claypool had also courted Betsy before her marriage to John Ross. The two found solace in each other and married on May 8, 1783. Their lives were full now with the upholstery business, five new daughters, free Quaker meetings, and Claypool's job with the U.S. Customs House. He worked there until suffering a devastating stroke around the year 1800. He died 17 years later at 65, having been nursed all those years by his steadfast wife. Betsy Claypool herself went totally blind in 1835, but remarkably she continued to sew. At the age of 84, she died on January 30, 1836. Thank you for joining me for Inspiring Stories from American History. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.